0: It is CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. Tony Katz, good to be with you. We're going to be here all all week, well, really for the next three days, listening to the speakers, talking to the people, trying to figure out exactly what's moving the activist conservative right now. We've been here and we've been having the interviews, doing the conversations, and one of the people we got to speak to was Katie McFarland, who was a deputy national security advisor under President Trump, spoke to her about China and exactly the level of threat that we're dealing with.
1: You know, there's no other mysterious person coming in through the airwaves. No, there's no,
0: there's no other mysterious people, Katie. <laughs> it's just you the Chi- and me. And the Chinese people. And and well, well, well it's clearly the Chinese are listening. I'm, I'm glad you you brought that up. Tony Katz here at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference at KT McFarland is right there in front of me. Nobody understands the, the, the national security issues that we deal with. Former Deputy National Security Advisor uh, KT uh, McFarland. And, you know, y- you joke the Chinese are listening. I shared a story earlier today about some uh, service members at Minot Air Force Base being relieved of their duties because they're not keeping certain ballistic missile silos safe and secure. I note that that takes place a couple of weeks after a balloon from China traverses the nation, and I'm like, you know what, clearly, very clearly, it's nothing more than a coincidence. how bad is our security uh, regarding um, things like missile silos or just our national security in general, cyber security? Exactly how much of a threat is China on the daily basis?
1: China's the only real threat on the daily basis. You know, China's goal, stated goal, they make no secret about it, is to achieve global dominance at the expense of the United States and push the United States under the ash heap of history. And they're using every aspect of their society and economy to do it. So their, their goal is within a short period of time, within the decade, and in some cases by the end of the Biden administration, to be the dominant technological, military, economic, trade, diplomatic, cyber power in the world.
0: How does a balloon get them there? <laughs>
1: Well, a balloon did several things. Um, First, it tested for them what's the United States' response to some kind of penetration of air airspace. And it turns out it was really nothing, right? Until some people in Montana looked up in the air and said, Oh my gosh, what's that thing above us?
0: Tommy looked up in the sky. (laughs) What's that? What's that?
1: Hey, and so the Biden administration, which presumably knew about the balloon, we hope had done nothing about it, didn't want to interfere with any, quote, diplomacy they thought they were having with China. But what it also did was probably the Chinese balloon was probably on a spy mission to look for uh, targeting sites for its new intercontinental ballistic missile force. So the Chinese for about the last mm, decade have been rebuilding their military, big military buildup, probably the biggest we've seen in 100 years in the world. And they've particularly created a new Intercontinental Ballistic Missile Force, ICBM. That's a missile capable of going from China to the United States carrying a nuclear weapon. They don't have a big target list because they never had very many of them. Well, now they've got a couple hundred. They're going to go to a couple thousand. And so they were, they were on a mission. This was like a searching mission. What would make good targets? And if those targets were on our target list, how do we penetrate the defenses? So they've shown to themselves, one, the American government didn't really respond. Number two, they sneaked in, presumably sneaked in, without our knowledge until they were quite close, if not inside the United States airspace. And number three, they got a target list.
0: Talking to KT McFarland, former Deputy National Security Advisor. We talk about now knowing that we knew when this balloon took off. Never mind when we knew it was over the Aleutian Islands right. there at the Archipelago of Alaska. We knew when it took off. As somebody who would have been giving advice to the president on what to do when you knew the balloon took off, when would you have suggested to the president that it be shot down? And would you have suggested it be shot down?
1: Yeah, I would have said to the president, uh, we think there's a Chinese balloon coming and the trajectory on which it's and its path is it's headed to the United States. Let's give him a call. So you give them a call, we see your balloon. If you enter the United States airspace, we shoot it down. So
0: you would have got, you would have given them fair warning. You would have been like, hey, we see you. Is there something to giving up that information that's problematic? Like letting the enemy know what you know?
1: I think it's terrific if, if you can let them know. Look, we know what you're doing. Don't you dare do it. But the idea that we didn't do any of that, they think they've got, they, fe- they have found a, pen- they penetrated a hole in our defenses.
0: You brought up the idea that BIDEN POSSIBLY DIDN'T DO IT FOR SOME LEVEL OF NEGOTIATION FOR POLICY, FOR RELATIONS REASONS.
1: I TALKED TO PEOPLE IN THE PANIC, FIRST OF ALL, WHEN THE BALLOON HAPPENED. And the Biden administration said, oh, well, it happened during the Trump administration. Nobody shot it down. We all got on the phone. All the senior people in the Trump administration, like, you know, emails are flying right. with each other. If the Pentagon people, intelligence community people, National Security Council, where I was. Did you guys know anybody? It didn't happen on my watch. I didn't know anything about it. So we all assured ourselves that if, if it had happened, we were not informed. So then there were three possibilities. Either it did happen and the military knew about it and they didn't let the civilian leadership know. That's not good. Or the Biden administration military is lying about it to give Biden cover. Or number three, the Chinese had so penetrated the United States that we didn't know until after the fact. All those are really bad.
0: KT McFarland, um, uh, first, uh, we, we need to have you back more often. Secondly, we need to bring you out to Indianapolis. The Midwest uh, wants to hear more. That's This This is the only thing I, I know. Um, before I let you go, i only got a, a few seconds left. China's take from this, from this balloon, you talk about how easy it is to penetrate uh, American airspace. Their take from this is do it again, or their take from this was, well, we got away with that one, but we, pro- we probably won't get away with the next one
1: got away with this one what's next on our target list you know the, the chinese are really he, he, the chinese are watching ukraine for a number of reasons they've maneuvered it so that they win no matter what happens if putin succeeds in taking ukraine and destroying nato china says great you know now we're going to be in a position of trading with nato countries we're not going to worry about our position with the europeans if Ch- if russia loses and somehow you know putin's overthrown china says oh that's good for us too we'll just move into the areas where we want in central So the Chinese look at the situation. They do not want this war to end. Because the longer it goes on, the more Russia is dependent on China. The longer it goes on, the more America bleeds money into Ukraine. We're spending $100 billion a year. Now, what is our defense budget? It's not quite a trillion, like $700 billion. But, you know, we're spending a good 10-15% of our defense budget on ukraine right now what means what does that mean we're not spending it on china
0: we will talk more about that katie mcfarland i appreciate you being with us now as you can see the china conversation is the dominant conversation that we've had so far with with people in the know people who are experts in 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 the field not so much has been uh the border conversation it doesn't mean that it won't come i assume that it will uh and sooner rather than later also had the chance uh, to speak with winsome sears the lieutenant governor of the commonwealth of virginia i got corrected she corrected me in the interview that's uh, that's always good it always feels good to know that, that can happen to you in in real time i will bring that to you as well uh plus we'll we'll get some news because there are things happening in the world and they're worth your attention keep it here i'm tony katz and this is tony katz today
2: yeah, I woke up feeling grateful. Everything that I pray for, Kay. So I'll be feeling so grateful. Got me so Yeah, i feeling grateful. Everything that I pray for.
0: I must admit, i be so great because it must be admitted that I am not paying any attention to this Murdoch case at all. Did he kill his family? Is that what the Murdoch case is? Did he not kill his family? Wait, do you know what this is about, Sarah? Hold on. Hold on. The the blue microphone. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. We are here at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. Uh, Relay Indiana. Really do appreciate you. Relay Indiana.com for getting us out here. Now, you guys, uh, if you follow me on social media, you know the name Sarah Smith because Sarah helps run everything we do—social media and, and videos that we put out and content for not only Tony Katz today, but for Eat, Drink, Smoke, and a bunch of other things. Sarah is here with me uh, at, at CPAC. You know what this story is about, Murda? I know who's who's on trial for murder. Yes, murders. His name is Murda. Murda. Murderers. Plural.
3: Plural. Okay. So Alex Murda, what did he do? Uh, allegedly, reportedly. What? Sources close to the investigation say, uh, he is accused of murdering his wife and son. Yeah, that's it? That's it. Okay. Uh, but now, no. on top of that, he lied to the FBI, so he, during the investigation, there were instances where he was caught in lies and mistruths, which would lead one to believe that he totally did
0: <laughs> what he's accused of? But the argument he makes is that his son was involved with something with a boat and then someone got angry with what he did with the boat and then said i'm going to now kill you and that's who murda says murdered his wife and his son correct
3: he has he has someone that he is he is using that that's his alibi for lack of a better term right like he has identified someone else that is i'm making air quotes with my fingers everybody guilty so that he can he has accused them of what he has been that he himself has been accused of
0: now here okay there's it's like an onion it's yeah you peel it back so what i can gather thus far is that it is very obvious that this dude is guilty but the prosecution is so horrifically bad (laughs) at what they do that this guy's gonna walk is that what i'm hearing yes that is what you're hearing that's insane the prosecution
3: Um, I did not watch all of the trial, but I have a lot of trial-watching associates, and all of them agree that it is one of the biggest clusters they have ever witnessed.
0: That is a crazy, crazy story, and I'm glad that I'm not paying attention to it. Like, overjoyed that I've decided that it's not worth my time. I don't, I don't want to know. Sean Spicer, I want to know. That is a man who is 150% worth my time. Sean Spicer, host over there at Newsmax, former uh, press secretary to President Donald John Trump. You've seen uh, pictures. Uh, First of all, it's nice that once a year at CPAC, we can look each other in the eye and then never speak to each other again.
4: Wow, Tony Katz. Right? That's because you never return my LinkedIn messages. Uh, no, it's if you would just pay the OnlyFans subscription, we could talk about that. See, this is it. I just didn't realize the the. I thought that I could use Visa and Mastercard, but then you've got this whole crypto thing going. Now we only take uh, Diners Club, and uh, we only that's, the that's the problem. That's the problem. Sorry. If I could do, yeah, I, it's it's the it's the random crypto that you made me uh, have to use. But it is nice that we are finally uh, able to gather back. And as much as I loved Florida and being having feedback back outside of DC from a commute standpoint, it is nice being back in the area. Talk to me about how things have been going at Newsmax uh, as of late, especially with this
0: DirecTV fight. I have spoken with John Bachman about it on air, about what's been going on. Um, They dropped you. Their claim is you guys wanted too much money. Your claim is everybody else is getting paid. Clearly, there was something about us that was questionable to you. What is your take? Is this something that's well, resolvable? Uh, look,
4: I, I think it's actually deeper than that um, because because it's it's not just we wanted money; they didn't want to give it to us. Look, if you look at uh, who we got about fifty million people that watch us, right? Directv is about fourteen million, but you start parsing out the other, the remaining amount: Dish Network, um, FiOS. Um, and then there's a consortium called the NCTC, the National Cable, which makes up all the onesies and the Tuesdays they join it they, to negotiate on their behalf. They all agree to the same fee. So clearly it wasn't like there was some exorbitant amount that was being decided upon. And, and it was like, hey, we're asking for, you know, $50 million. And they said, no. All the others said, hey, based on the number of viewers that you have, and we believe this is a fair amount, direct is just holding out. Um, so that's that's what I think is even more interesting about this whole discussion that um, direct that, that their competitors, uh, who make up the vast majority of cable subscribers, have agreed that, that the price that they're, they're we're asking um, is worth it.
0: So so now this gets into part two. You talk about the number of viewers that you guys have. You go back to the 2020 election, you go back to some of the things that took place over at Fox News, you take a look at how Newsmax clearly and very well capitalized by still providing just news and, and going at it and continuing to go at it. You're now two, I'm sorry, three years removed from that moment. What is it like building a network? Like What is it it's like being yeah, that, yeah, it, at that it, stage? It's a, it's
4: a great question. The first week that I was on the air, I remember getting my ratings, and I looked down, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like we had twenty thousand people watching us, twenty thousand, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" I don't see how this is sustainable. And um, and Chris ruddy has uh, sort of the the turtle mentality, right? He's not looking to be the hare that wins the race in eight seconds. He wants to build a company. Um, and, a, and an enduring legacy and that's what he's done with with all of Newsmax because it's more than a television it's a new yeah. it's a it's a magazine and it's, it's a bunch of other entities It's a media organization and he's taken that approach and been successful at it And um, and so I looked at the numbers I'm like oh my gosh, and he was like, okay keep going at it Keep doing good things building making good content with good interviews good guests covering good subjects and it'll happen and and it was we got a lot of attention after the election, but if you actually go back and look at the ratings, week after week, every single week after launch, it grew. We would grow three, 4,000 a week, and we were averaging, I don't know, 100 and something thousand by the time, and then the election came, and we grew even bigger and bigger, and then we just kept going. So, I think the election definitely was something that caught people's attention because of how we covered it, meaning, and frankly, all we did was to say, we're going to present both sides. This is what Trump's saying. This is what everyone else is saying. I actually think that's what you're supposed to do. That's how what I was taught. Mm-hmm. This is what news is supposed to be. We aren't supposed to decide for people what the news is. You're supposed to present the news. And I think a lot of people like the fact that we weren't taking them for granted and that they were morons. We were basically saying, you can think for yourself. We'll show you what people are saying. You decide for yourself. And we've been rewarded by that talking
0: to Sean Spicer. He's the host of Spicer & Company five days a week over there at Newsmax. You can find him uh, there. You can find me on some Newsmax shows, just never Spicer & Company. I don't know. Okay. I, don't uh, know it, I won't make I a know. note. Tony Katz. Right there. No, no, on no. no on I'm very six, busy at that six, time. Six, it takes up it takes, it takes my Saturday time. morning,
4: Spicer Plus. Right. With, Spicer Plus. With Tony I pay Katz. for Spicer Plus. Yeah, yeah. That, we're, we're, we're making Katz. money hand over fist uh-huh.
0: here. Um... Your audience, whether we're, if we take a couple of subjects, whether that subject is Trump or whether that subject, or the 2024 election, that subject is the, the southern border, that subject is China, the things that are dominating yeah. the CPAC conversation, what's the subject that moves your audience? Like, what do you find that people are really commenting about to you, things that you're discussing on air? Well, I
4: think it generally has to do over writ large with, 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 the direction of the country and it it encapsulates what you're saying because i don't think it's one thing Mm -hmm. i mean they're concerned about the border but it's not the border it's fentanyl it's it's how women are being treated in traffic. It's how kids are being treated. It's about 90-plus uh, people coming in on the terrorist watch list and national security issues. It's not one thing. It's sort of like a lack of direction and leadership in our country, a lack of leadership that allows a balloon to float over for seven days, a lack of leadership that allows us to blow through the budget the way that it has, a lack of leadership that, you know, silences and censors the American people. So it's, it's, it's a lack of leadership and a lack of direction in the country. Uh, the
0: do they then say we need to they ask you to focus more because I, I, I get a pitch every four seconds Tony you should be talking more about this Tony you should be sharing more about that when, do they come to you and say, man, I really wish you'd go into more of X and expose more of X? They're concerned about the direction of the country, but then what does that feedback come back uh, to? It it depends. Depends. Anyway, yeah. This is very personal. Right. I'm super curious you know, it, as it, to what you are Right. Now. No, no, I
4: get it because I'm in the same boat. I get a lot of emails through SeanSpicer.com where people – and it's, sometimes it's you had so-and-so on, right? Now, the difference between radio and TV is and I love the format that you have because I like to be able to have a 10-minute discussion. Right. Uh, or, and I have a podcast called Beyond the Briefing, which is – I did it because I want to be able to have more than a five minute, but most of our, our segments are six minutes, which comes down to three questions, three questions. And so is there, I'll get an email and say, you didn't ask them X. And I'm like, no kidding, do you want to see the list? <laughs> yeah. I had a list of 12 questions and this was number four, or number five. And so a lot of times it's, you didn't ask. Um, and sometimes, I don't know about you, but I get it like, I wouldn't ever say a quid pro quo because it's I don't play that game. But sometimes the office will say, hey, we'd love to have our boss on, we'd really like to ask about this bill that they're pushing or whatever and so sometimes we'll say okay we'll ask a question on it um, and it helps maintain the relationship we're gonna but okay that's one out of three now and so I will get a lot of my feedback is you didn't ask or why didn't you get someone to rebut, or you didn't bring up and again it's you take out an hour-long program take out commercials you're talking about 44 minutes six blocks 44 minutes I don't. There are some things that hey, I, I just don't have time for, and I and I'm, I
0: can't finish the interview because I'm up against the commercial. Right, and I right think I'm going to break. No, no, no. Spicer Company. Watch on Newsmax. Go watch on Newsmax now. God, Dang it, no. this is Tony Katz today. At CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com. TonyKatz.Locals.com. I think uh, Representative Kat Kamek is uh, scheduled uh, to head on by, talk to her about uh, what she saw at the State of the Union and is there any chance for any level of bipartisanship going on in uh, this uh, House of Representatives, never mind in this Congress. I don't see the places. You know, we were talking about fentanyl earlier. If we cannot agree that we should be working together to do away with fentanyl in the United States, coming across the southern border, and China being the lead in creating this horror for us, if we can't agree on that, It's a a wee bit difficult to try and envision what it is that we can. This is, of course, the the totality of the conversation, the big conversation. Now I'm going to get to that. There was a, a bit of legislation that got some bipartisan support in the Senate. And clearly Joe Biden has no interest in bipartisanship because he's already said he would veto such a thing. And this is about legislation that would end the concepts of ESG, environmental social governance, which is the idea that investment into companies should not take place based on the value of the company, the value that the company creates, or the thing that the company does, but rather should be solely predicated on some social justice factor. Are they good to the environment? Do they have the right level of diversity in in this, that, or the other part of their business? Things that are not necessarily the right things for a, a, a society. Things that are not the right things to build an economy better for somebody who let's say is relying on a pension one day but if you don't care about those people and you are solely and exclusively involved in woke connection to woke connection looking good for this friend looking good for that friend If you are somebody looking for those investor dollars, oh, you want investor dollars, well then, it seems to me like you should uh, be part of this company or your company should do this thing. Well, that thing doesn't help us, you know, grow the company. Yes, but we like it. We like it because it's super green. We like it because it's super woke. We like it because of this, that, or the other having nothing to do with the business itself. Well, that's happening everywhere. One of the people who voted to uh, tell Joe Biden, yeah, this is not a good policy idea, is Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia, who was on earlier today, with Neil Cavuto. Um, Let me step back, if you don't mind, Senator, and get your sense of the landscape right now, because you and Senator John Tester, another Democrat of Montana, have taken on the president on this ESG, or what some call it politically correct, woke investing, you don't like it. That's likely to mean that, well, the votes are there to go ahead and overturn it. The president will no doubt veto it, but it'll remember the Democrats who didn't support him, and he'll remember you and Senator Tester. What do you say?
4: Well, I don't know. I just
1: I made my decision, I think very easily made my decision that I don't believe that under ERISA, which is the blanket of how you're supposed to look at everything from uh, from your uh, uh, 401ks or any of your pension plans but it should be a mandatory thing that they should be able to do in the private market let the private market do what it's going to do if somebody wants to invest their money or only have their retirement plan invest in certain accounts that might be environmental or might be more fossil whatever it may be they can find people that'll invest in what they want that's fine let the market continue to make those decisions. But there shouldn't be a political
0: decisions. litmus test to it, you're there referring not to the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, right? That's exactly and, and correct, absolutely. And you don't think absolutely. that should be part of it? Ab- you gotta appreciate what the man's saying there we're not having a discussion whether you as an individual want to invest in certain companies certain groups certain people certain ideas because of some ideological anything if you don't want to make money it's none of my damn business none of my dang business but if you do i think it's incumbent upon us to recognize that people can't be forced into saying We'll only do this, we'll only do that, whatever it is you tell us to do just because we so desperately, desperately need the money, including not focusing on the growth of our business. That's a huge mistake. Not a huge mistake, Representative Kat Kamek. Of Florida, who joins us right now? <laughs> How's that? That's my segue. Wow!
2: Wow! That is a hell of an introduction. This is how a professional makes. Not, their not, not a mistake. No, not wow. a mistake. I'm going to put that in my bio now for every introduction moving forward. Uh, no, not a
0: mistake. <laughs> let, let me just say for the record that uh, a few years ago, I think we were still in Florida doing CPAP. Yes. Uh, I had my first introduction to you, where I did she did she stand us up or, I did not stand or, or you or, up. or it was it was something. And then, and then you tried to make it up with me and you brought me another member of Congress. And I'm like, I I thought I was done for the day. And we had to do one more interview. You forced me to do more work, Representative. Since then- As uh, a good
2: Republican, you liked it.
0: it, Well, I think that, I think the poll is out on the, on on that. But but since then, you've been a very, very interesting and and formidable voice. You have been- Interesting, huh? You have been joyfully fearless. Yes. um, But you have not been someone who has tweeted in all caps right you've <laughs> been able to engage a fight without looking like a crazy person yes which is a very difficult thing to do for far too many people is is it that it doesn't take much to be direct and honest you don't have to be nuts to do it
2: mm-hmm. yeah it i call uh, some of the time i call it subtle trolling right right it's trolling with a smile um sometimes it's the sweet southern bell where you say oh bless your heart right
0: Right. Right. Living in Indiana, I had to learn that because in <laughs> Brooklyn, no one ever said that.
2: Yes. Yes. And you probably took it as a compliment.
0: I did at first. Yes. I, how wrong I was. <laughs> how wrong.
2: So the thing that I find is very curious is people think that if you, you know, tweet in all caps, that suddenly that means that you're fighting the good fight. No, you're just tweeting in all caps. Um, so that that constant anger, I call it the angertainment machine. Mm-hmm. That is what is wrong with politics today because it's all about the clickbait. It's, you know, I'm going to say something absolutely outrageous that actually doesn't matter that's not doing anything to move the needle. Meanwhile, my country's dying. So, I think what we've strived for is conservative not crazy. We've strived for solutions over some of the political antics. And and I get it. The entertainment sells. You get out there, you talk about, "Oh, I'm fighting the good fight. I'm doing this." And and a lot of people are. But at some point, you have to prove receipts. You've got to bring receipts. you got to show, yep, I'm passing legislation. I'm doing what it takes to get it done. And the behind the scenes passing legislation, the grueling nights where you're sitting there scanning thousands of pages of legislation and all you really want is a beer and a good night's sleep, that's not sexy. That doesn't make for good Twitter content. But that's what it takes to get it done.
0: And the anger taming, as you as you call it, yes. appears on every side. Right, the left does oh, it. Absolutely. The right, does oh, the it.
2: Ang- the left is the best at it. So.
0: That is not a compliment, by the way. That is not a compliment. Uh, so so it, it really leads us to the conversation about a, a level of bipartisanship. And this comes up mm-hmm. in some of the interviews we've done today mm-hmm. about the fentanyl issue at the southern yes. border. Yes. The fentanyl, whether it's supplied by China, yep. the fentanyl that is making its way through. I know the Cato Institute wants to tell you that the vast majority of fentanyl is coming in from Americans bringing it in. That doesn't explain how the border patrol agents are still dealing with fentanyl on a daily basis. My argument is if we can't engage a level of bipartisanship on fentanyl, there's no shot. So before I jump the gun, is there bipartisanship to be engaged that will stop fentanyl from coming across the border or at least curtail
2: it? I think there is. And this is where that entertainment part comes in. My husband's a first responder. He's a firefighter, SWAT medic. Uh, Just yesterday he texted me and said, hey, sorry, hon, it's been a crazy day. I'm actually riding in. I had another fentanyl overdose. We have 300 people a day in this country dying of fentanyl poisoning because they think they're taking a Percocet, they think they're taking uh, a Xanax. It's actually fentanyl because it's cheap, it gives you a very, very good quick high, um, but it is extraordinarily dangerous. We know where it's coming from. 160 different factories in China are manufacturing the precursors. We know that it's being processed in Mexico, and we know it's being trafficked across the southern border. Now, to the point about the amount, we're only catching 5 to 10 percent, and it's coming through. The reason it's being caught at the legal ports of entry, the, they say 95 percent of it's being caught at the legal ports of entry. Yeah, that's because we have the resources there. We have stretches along our southwest border, 230 miles in one place where there's not a single agent to be found. 5 to 10 percent is all we're catching. And the thing that is, and I'm getting to the bipartisan part, the thing that is absolutely critical is that it is not a Republican issue, it is not a Democrat issue, Correct. this is an American issue. And it doesn't matter what congressional district you find yourself in, you are being impacted by the fentanyl crisis. So when I am out there talking about this issue, I have Democrats that come to me and they say, hey Kat, they'll lean in real quiet, and they'll say, this border stuff's crazy. Never seen anything like it before in my life. We've got to do something. To the point about bipartisanship legislatively, I'm working on a bill with Madeline Dean, on the fentanyl crisis Madeline Dean her and I could not be further apart Mm. on the politics of our nation but we both recognize that this is bigger than us it's bigger than our careers and this is about saving an entire generation from being poisoned by the Chinese and the Mexican
0: cartels talking to Representative Kat Kamek of, of Florida the Chinese the cartels China and the southern border can you do it like Trump China. No, I can't come I can't, on. I can't do a Trump and come
2: on. I can't do it. I, do I it. I
0: I, I I would try but I would literally explode. You'd be so
2: good. Wow. Is that your Trump? You'd do so good It'd be huge China. Huge <laughs> Huge,
0: huge, Dude, I got you to do it. <laughs> it's not. No, it wasn't like a real <laughs> Wasn't like a real thing. Uh, I, I was gonna ask you about about China and, and and the southern border But you brought up Trump. Let me let me change the gears and bring up Trump it seems to me that cpac's question is Mm -hmm. is this okay we're we're back in the saddle trump 2024 or is um uh what could be possibly your man ron desantis the governor of florida uh be be the future in your guesstimation Mm -hmm. where does this crowd lend itself is it let's do trump one more time or is it thank you mr president We're going to head in another direction, but we're going to have learned from you quite a bit.
2: You know, it's interesting. I've talked to a lot of folks. Last night I spoke to a couple hundred activists and the room has a a pretty consistent sentiment. They love Trump. You know, we we love everything that he did. I hear over and over like he taught um, he taught Republicans how to fight, you know? And then I have another part of the room that says, you know, we love Trump, but we love Ron. It seems to be pretty split. For me personally, I mm-hmm. love this because as a Floridian, no matter what happens, the next president of the United States is going to be from the Sunshine State.
0: See, but notice she didn't really like like answer the
2: you wouldn't do a Trump impersonation, so here we go. Yes, yes that's because now we're I, haven't,
0: I, I didn't put myself out there as somebody who does Trump impersonations. Uh, but you but, had the
2: hand gestures, folks. You can't see it, but he was doing the hand gestures. Oh, don't worry. We have video that's coming. <laughs> no, I
0: can't. Like, you're talking about like this? Like, you take your yes. fingers together and you spread them Yes, apart, yes. Right? No, please. That's my mother at a Sunday dinner. You're what doing you it now. About? I'm doing an impression of my mom. <laughs> I love you, Diane. You know, Diane, know your son—you should be so proud. You By the be way, so proud. which your district covers what areas? So okay. I am all of
2: North Central Florida. If you look at Florida, since we have a camera here, here you go. This is Florida, right? Okay, I am the heartbeat.
0: So the crux of the thumb.
2: Yeah. So is, is, some is there. some may call that like, well, that, that's like the the forgotten coast. That's what people say. But if you think of it as a human, we're the heart. We're the heart of Florida.
0: My parents are in Boynton Beach. My Ooh. brothers in Boca. Okay. So so three three cats voters in, in i like Florida, it i like it right there yeah so, and you didn't tell them where you know oh like like uh, do you have a a preference are you in the trump camp are you in the ron camp saying either way i'm good oh that's right i did ask the question that's right that's our. which camp are you in
2: oh i'm not in a camp i am no ca- i campless. i'm in camp america i think it is way too early to be actually even talking about this because Here's the reality. But this
0: room is we can agree, I'm not gonna put you on the spot. This room is talking about it.
2: This room is talking about it, but here's here's what I'm focusing on. We have the House today by four votes. The House of Representatives, Republicans have the majority by four votes. When you factor in what we won by, six thousand votes nationally. Six thousand people gave us the majority. That is a terrifying statistic. That is hanging on by a thread. So I don't care, quite frankly, if people want to, you know, have this fight about Trump versus DeSantis. My fight is, how do we grow the majority so we're not hanging on by, by a thread? And then, how do we take back the Senate? How do we do that? Because even if we take the White House, but we lose the House of Representatives and we lose the Senate, it doesn't matter. Game over. So we have major work to do that no one is paying attention to, and that's always been the big game, right? It's the shiny object, the sexy topic over here. Let's talk about this, but the really important thing is happening here, but shh, we don't want anyone to talk about Representative
0: that. Representative Kat Kamek clearly has been reading my diary, and I <laughs> And it was terrifying. It. Uh, well, hey, what were but, those but references to
2: Ashley Biden in there?
0: Wow. <laughs> wow. That is... That's a statement right there. It was a You know ch- what? Wow. You are We're going to start drinking. <laughs> I think that's what's happening right here. Tony made a friend. <laughs> Tony made a friend. This <laughs> is Tony Katz today. <laughs> okay. Representative Kamek bringing up Ashley Biden. I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to I don't even know what to say. Oh, don't worry. We've got we've got audio and video of that entire interview. We're gonna we're gonna edit it all together and get it to you. I swear to you, I my brain immediately went to how does one respond to that, and I must admit, I didn't have it. I actually went to discretion. I'm like, yeah, well, let's just let it go. Just gonna, just gonna, just gonna leave that one be right there if, if that's if that's okay with everybody tony Katz, tony Katz today here at cpac conservative political action conference presented by relay indiana and so appreciate them helping us make all of this come together uh we have got some more conversations now i know that senator braun of indiana he is speaking Uh, on on the main stage and uh we have certainly let uh that team know that we are here and and uh we may uh be able to bring the senator in we will see what we will see what we will see uh we still have people milling all about here at cpac and i gotta describe the scene here on radio row where we are and, and and what's happening and kind of the power position that we're in who knew who knew they'd take us this seriously? It's like they never listened to the show because if they did, we would have been in the back. Find everything Katz.locals.com This is Tony Katz today.